God's word. Uh, Isaiah 15 verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I believe that God gave me a promise. Uh, I shared that with Michael also this morning. And so I'm looking forward to what God will do this coming year. It is a unique promise that God, you know, you read scriptures and you read through, but it doesn't really stick after you. And uh, during this uh, Thanksgiving time, I got up one morning and I was really just seeking God, uh, just asking God things. And God showed me what I believe he's going to be doing for the Ark Fellowship this coming year. It's a very powerful promise. Very powerful promise. Michael saw that today uh, while I was sharing briefly uh, with him what what God has given to me. And so it's going to be a powerful new year. This coming year is going to be powerful for church. I think that God is setting our church up for our new building. Uh, We talk about it, but sometimes we have to wait on God. God has his own timing. But God is about to do something unusual for our church and so just stay in faith and believe God with me. Amen. The title of our message today is The Good Shepherd. We're getting into the uh, Christmas uh, season. And so uh, we always remember the story of the shepherds, you know, in the field. So it's a good time to talk about shepherds. Amen. Shepherds, that's a serious metaphor for uh, Christians. Uh, for us to, I mean, sheep. Serious uh, metaphor for Christians to be called sheep. Because when you look at it, I mean, for the Jewish man, he understands it. Uh, in the context of the scriptures and the time of Jesus, they understood what it was. And so you can read from the Old Testament all the way to the New. God consistently talks about shepherd and the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And for God's own Ways he's made it clear to us that we are sheep. We are sheep. The sheep has a lot of wants, but the sheep is totally helpless and unable to meet its own need. The sheep is totally dependent on the shepherd. And Jesus told us, without me, you can do nothing. So we are totally dependent on the, on the shepherd. A sheep cannot defend itself. No sheep can defend itself. Other animals, you can watch on National Geographic, they defend. When they are cornered, they want to fight back. The sheep doesn't defend. The sheep depends on the shepherd to help. The sheep is not even smart to find food for itself. You know, we watch the, the uh, programs on television, how these animals will migrate long distances just to find water and food. They know somehow in building them, they are able to locate this thing year after year and God given that to them. But for the sheep, the sheep too is totally dependent on the shepherd for its survival. They can't even find good pastures on their own. 
the shepherd has to lead the sheep to the good pasture. And so that picture of sheep, that's us really in relationship with God. We constantly will need God. He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. It's an amazing thing that the sheep cannot even drink properly from moving water. They get drowned. He leads me beside what? They steal water. They are not smart enough to drink from a moving water. So if the shepherds, they'll drown themselves trying to drink. And they're prone to wandering away and getting lost. And that's us. That's who we are. That's the way God sees us. We are like sheep. Now, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own ways. And the Lord has laid upon him, that Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep. Every human being is a sheep before God. We have returned to our own ways. Some into one thing and some into some other thing. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, they were truly searching for something. They turned to their own ways, away from God. I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. It tells us there, and this is Paul speaking. I'm waiting for it to come on now. This is Paul speaking. It says, and he was talking to the uh, Athenians in Greece, where God saw this in, uh, Paul saw this inscription that says, to the unknown God, just for us to understand what, what it is, that we have to find God. It's inbuilt in us to look for God, to find Him. This is what it says. It says, and He has made from one blood... God made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. God made that and has determined their pre-appointed times. In other words, God decided exactly when you should be born. Every one of us. Every single one of us. Not only did he determine where you will be born and where you stay, but also when you will be born. Not where, but when. God did all of that. He made it clear. That was the revelation that God gave to Paul so that we can understand who we are and what's driving us. Why we do the things that we do. It says he had determined their pre-appointed times the times that they should be born, and the boundaries of their dwellings. Some in Africa, some in South America, some in North America. God was the one that determined it, and determined exactly when you should be born. So you are not an accident. God knew you before you were born. God planned for you before you came into this world. He planned you. You are not an accident. You were in his heart from the foundation of the world. God knew you personally. He knew your name. 
I was reading in the scripture, God actually named a man Cyrus before he was born. Years before he was born. God called him to the prophets and said, when Cyrus comes, this is what's going to happen. And Cyrus actually looked at the book and said, my name was, when was this written? Way back there. Jeremiah, they mentioned his name. And he got that name and got the position that God gave to him and what he was supposed to do. I want you to know that God knew you before you came into this world. You are not an accident. He knows you personally. He created you and determined the time that you should be born. You are special to him. And you need to discover what he created you to do. But look at what he says. He said he, he, he de- determined the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord. If he kept you in America, he knew that in America, that's where it will be in your heart to seek him. If you were born in Africa, he placed you there so that you will seek him. To seek the Lord. In hope, in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. That's why you see in the Old Testament, everywhere in the world, even when I was a little boy, we didn't know the God of of, of our, our father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but something inside man wants to worship. It's been from of old. They always want to worship. We want something to be God. And so in the Old Testament, the Assyrians have their own God. The Philistines have their own God. They're looking for something to worship. They will make sacrifices, sometimes human sacrifices, unto this God that they don't know. They were searching for God. It's always been inside man to search for God. And you, and in our modern time, we're still doing it because God's created us. And now we don't have idols in America, but there are other things that we use, that we go to, searching for God. We are misguided. We think that these things will satisfy us, but there's only one thing that can truly satisfy. It's got to be God. We were created with a, a hollow inside of us that's always searching for God. And we f- can fill that thing with all kinds of stuff. We can fill this, that thing with money, wealth, houses, cars, or whatever it is. All kinds of things. But the only thing that can fill that vacuum in your heart is God himself. And God himself placed that in you so that you can search for him. And so because we have that and we are searching, we're wandering away. Wandering away, searching for something that we don't even know And for the Athenians, they put on there to the unknown God. What they were doing, they had researched all the gods and they were serving all the gods. And they thought to themselves, maybe we have missed one and we don't want to offend this one. So they had this inscription, God, if you are the one that we've missed, we we have your name here. To the unknown God, don't get mad. So we are constantly searching for God. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're filling your life with other things. Those things will not satisfy. The only thing that can truly satisfy 
is to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to begin to walk in his ways. That's when you will feel complete. We can feel that thing with all kinds of stuff. Only God can truly fill our lives with his goodness. We're apt, just like sheep, to go astray. But thank God we have a good shepherd that's always bringing us back. Even after we're saved, he brings us back to the fold. We'll make mistakes, but he brings us back. David knew this. David said in, in Psalm 69 verse 5, he says, Oh God, you know my foolishness. A foolish king? <laughs> yes. If you're human, there is that foolishness in us because we don't really know. Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from your eyes. So you cry out to God, God, I'm blowing it. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing right before you. And then God replies. He says uh, to, to David in Psalm 32 verse 8, God says in reply, I will instruct you. Even though you're foolish, I will instruct you. Give me the opportunity to instruct you. Give me the opportunity to give you wisdom. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. God said he's going to do that. I will guide you with my eyes. Everywhere you go, his eyes are never removed from you. God says, I will guide you. If you cry out to me, just like David cried out, to God, God said, I will guide you with my eyes. <laughs> Those are powerful eyes. Everywhere you go, it's not just watching you. He's guiding you. You understand that? Not against you. He's helping you to find the right path. No, my son, his eyes bring, brings you back to the narrow way where you're supposed to go. That's the good shepherd. That's Jesus Christ. We need him. We need him. And he is able to do that for us, to walk through us. He says, I will instruct you and teach you. You know, the Bible, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Jesus, it says, most assuredly, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door to the sheepfold. On earth, there is God's family, and then there is your other family. If you are not part of God's family, you can scream and holler. You can stomp your foot and disagree that you are in the family of the enemy, Satan. Spiritually, God sees just two families. He said that you are in God's family. And if you are not sure that you are in God's family, you are really not in God's family. Because if you are in God's family, you, he will make his spirit to let you know without a doubt that you belong to his family. So there are only two families. There is the family of God and then the family of the devil. When you don't know God and you wonder... Because God's eyes are not guiding you, where you find yourself is in the family of the enemy. Your enemy. And God's enemy. But God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. This is the beauty of the story of Jesus. 
God has sent His Son into the world to search for you. You're seeking Him. That's what He placed you wherever He placed you so that you can seek after Him. But He also, He's seeking you. But He will not find you until you seek Him. Deep calls out to deep. Until you want God, God cannot want you, even though, according to the scripture, He's there, He can come into your life. Until you want Him, He cannot truly come into your life. So if you don't belong to God's family, you belong to, you belong to Satan's family. But God wants to adopt you, amen? And Satan has no choice but to give in to the adoption. Why? Because the price has already been paid. He took the price. Hello? He took the price. Satan allowed Jesus to be killed. He was behind all of it. Even though he didn't know it, that was the price. And so you can come into God's family. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. He is the door to the sheepfold. There is no other door. Notice it didn't say, I am a door. Not one door. This is the door. There is no other door. Every other door leads to emptiness. Every other door leads to pain. No matter what you pursue, if you don't go through this door, you are going through an illicit door, you are going to hurt yourself. This is the door to the sheepfold. Jesus is that door. He says, I am the door to the sheep. The door of the sheep. I am, in verse 9, I am that door, Jesus said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is that door. He is the door that we have to go through. It's the only door. The Bible says it's the only name given among men whereby we can be saved. You cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. It's only by the grace of God. And when we recognize this, not only once, but throughout your Christian life, you have to recognize, Jesus made it clear, without me you can do nothing. So I have to humble myself under His powerful grace so that I can become whatever God wants me to be. I am that door. If you go through that door, then you're saved. That's the only name that brings salvation to our lives. When we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are saved. Powerful door for all of mankind. All of mankind. Jesus made it clear he is that good shepherd. Jesus also talked to us about the sheep. I mean the thief. The thief is constantly there. Notice the word, the thief. The thief is right here on earth with us. And constantly wanting to steal from us. But thank God we have a shepherd. Amen? We have a shepherd. Who guides us with his eyes. So when you think about this, he tells us here in John chapter 10 verse 11. 
It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the thief is here with us, wanting to steal from us, wanting to destroy our lives, wanting to kill us. But Jesus came, this is the gospel, Jesus came so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. And then Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. After telling us that, he wants us to have abundant life, but then he declared to us again, he is that good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, he is that good shepherd. So when a sheep is going astray, he has this rod to bring that sheep back to the fold. And if you want to understand the good shepherd, then you want to go to Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because he is our shepherd. Because you have made Jesus Christ who declared himself to be your shepherd. Now, this is how it works. He can't be your shepherd until you have declared him as your shepherd. Amen? So say it with me. The Lord... He's my shepherd. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what David said. The Lord is my shepherd. Until you make him your shepherd, he is not your shepherd. That means you are like sheep without a shepherd. You are going to go astray. The thief is going to come to destroy you, to steal from you. To kill you. We need a shepherd to protect our lives. I know me. You can't do it by your own strength. We have to go with Paul. Because the sheep is weak. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. But you have to acknowledge, without him, I am truly weak. So he is that shepherd. He declared himself to be our shepherd. And we need to honor him by naming him your shepherd. That's honor when you tell him, God, you are my shepherd. And he declared to us, according to David, because he is my shepherd, I shall never know want. He leads me. He leads me into green pastures. He makes me to lie down. In green pastures, everywhere is green. When the shepherd is around, he is the one to lead you. You can't find pasture for yourself. And and it's wrong when the church, people want to look for their own shepherd. He has to find, he is the shepherd. We are under shepherd and we don't deserve it. Because of his grace, we can be his under shepherd. But he is the shepherd. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. Lie down means you are not anxious. Amen? There is no fear. You are lying down in plenty. Because he is the good shepherd. That's the Lord our God. He leads me beside the still waters. He's also leading us in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. And then he acknowledges, yeah, troubles will come. But he's always there for us. 
is always there for us. No matter what you're going through this morning, God's on your side. And if you don't feel like he's on your side, then say it with your mouth. That God is on my side. Amen? That's what uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? So you have to say, God's for me. And God's truly for you. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. The Son of God will lay his life down for your sake. Now, if he's willing to lay down his own life, which he's already done, what can be too big that he's not willing to do for you? What can be so precious, so difficult? He laid, this was God himself. He laid down his life so that you can have life. You know, if you read in John chapter 17, Jesus was praying. He said to his father, they were yours. From the beginning, when God created you, if you've accepted Christ, God, Jesus said, this was his high priestly prayer right before he went to the cross. He was praying to his father. And that was such an intimate moment because that was his last, the last prayer that Jesus will make for his church and for his assignment, why he came into the world. And Jesus said, I need you, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before I came into this world. And then he spoke about us. He said, they were yours, but you gave them to me. You belong to the Father, every one of you that I'm looking at this morning. You belong to the Father from the beginning. This this lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. For you, before you were created, God had made sure you would be okay throughout eternity. That's the good news. That's the good news. And Jesus said, they were yours. In other words, God chose them for himself. That's you, for himself, before this world was created. He saw you and knew you personally and knew your name and said, I want that one for me. And then Jesus said, they were yours, but you gave them to me. It was a gift. You are a gift from the Father to Jesus. And to make good that gift, he died so that there would be no blemish in this powerful gift. They were yours from the foundation of the world. But you gave them to me as an inheritance. You are Jesus' possession in his inheritance from his father. Question is, will he let that inheritance go? Is it possible for something that God gave to his son. And Jesus will let it go and waste away. That's impossible, right? That's how much you are loved by the Father. Amen. 
We make mistakes, but we are loved. Jesus won't let go. He even prayed. He said, I have kept every single one of them in your name. I kept them. While I was in the world, I kept them in your name. No one was lost except for the son of perdition that he may go to his own place. But that was his choice. That was his choice. So we can make our choice this morning and say to God, I want to be one of those jewels that the father gave to, to his son. And Jesus said, no man can pluck them from my hands. Amen? No man can pluck them from my hands. No devil can pluck them from my hands. No, nothing in this whole universe can take them from my hand. My father gave them to me, and my father is greater than all. That's what Jesus said. He's the greatest who is going to be able to take them from me. That's this, the, the level of love God has for you. That's why this is such a good news. Until you believe it and start speaking it and believing it in your heart, you won't experience it. And you may have the devil just like in the beginning. Did God say? You remember that? And then he wants to distract you again, turn your mind away, telling you uh, you can be God to yourself. And we all get it. But then he leads us back because he's the good shepherd. Amen? He brings us back into the fold. He brings us back. Today I can confidently say to you that you are highly favored of God. Amen? Every one of you. Can we say an amen to that? You are highly favored of God. God's not against you. The world is against you. And the devil is against you. But you are here this morning and God wants you to hear this word that you are highly favored of God. And God wants you to carry yourself that way. You are highly favored of God. Jesus made it very clear. He said, what man if he has a hundred sheep and one is lost? Does not leave the remaining 99. And he goes in search of that one. And, and that the, the person is talking about his himself. The shepherd. He said when he's found his sheep, he put that sheep on his shoulders. And goes back to his friends. And say, hey, guess what? I found him. I found her. I got. And he says, rejoice with me. That's Jesus. Rejoice with me. I found this lost one. I found this lost one. So when God finds you, the whole heaven rejoices. You, can you imagine when the angels see Jesus full of joy with his baby in his hands? How the angels will be so excited, worshiping and praising God. And that's because of you. Amen? You are highly loved today. And all we need to do is to surrender to him. Amen? Surrender to him. The Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray. But have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Can we return this morning? Shall we return this morning to him? Every one of us? Maybe somewhere in your life you have wandered away. 
But God's calling you to come back today. Are we going to do that? And number one, I'm coming back to my first love. Amen? We've got to come to Him. All of us. A man is always besieged with infirmities, weaknesses. But he's our strength. And I read this Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. His last Sunday. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, it's time to come. It's time to come. He is here this morning, amen? The Lord is here this morning. If you will come, why don't you rise in your seat? Don't come down, just rise up. You're coming to the shepherd today. I'm rising. I'm standing. If you want to come, why don't you rise this morning? Let's rise. I need the Savior. Let's obey Scripture. You see, the grace of God is going to flow through this place. The grace of God, I need that grace. Without grace, there's no way out. There's no way out to God. I need that grace this morning. But the grace of God is here today. Shall we do something further? It says, let us kneel before the Lord our God and our Maker. Can we kneel before Him this morning, please? Let's kneel before God. Everyone is standing. Let's kneel unless you can't do it. Let's kneel before God today. And let's honor our God in Jesus' name. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. We declare that you are God. We declare that you are our maker. Father, we return fully. We return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We return to you, Jesus. Blessed Redeemer, we worship you. Let your grace flow right now upon our lives to transform our lives to make us dedicated followers of our Savior. Pour out your grace upon us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We 